Hello, and welcome to Message in the Middle with Marianne. We all know that life is hard, right? It's messy, it's unpredictable, but it can be wonderful all at the same time. My hope is that we can take a deep dive into self-development topics and explore life's lessons through book clubs, conversations, and interviews. And together, we can uncover the lessons that others have already learned to help us navigate this crazy, wonderful ride called life. Hello and welcome to Message in the Middle with Marianne. And today I have Erica Thomas with me to continue the discussion around dysfunctional generational patterns in mother and daughter relationships. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the first half of our conversation, you may want to check that out and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. As a reminder, Erica is an expert in mother-daughter relationships and a licensed psychotherapist of over 18 years. She's the owner of Vita Nova Counseling and Vita Nova Mother-Daughter Coaching. Both practices were created to guide mothers and daughters towards a path of healing, hope, and restoration in their relationships. Erica is also a consultant, mentor, and trainer, assisting mental health professionals all around the world to navigate the complicated mother-daughter dynamic. So for those of you that listened to the first part of this conversation, you'll remember that we left off talking about when we know better and we know more and we have more tools in our toolbox, we can do better. On that note of doing better, it's great if two parties are there and they're willing to participate in the work that it takes to repair the mother-daughter relationship. But I know for several of us, that's not always going to be the case. And... I think it's great when we can get to that enlightened spot where we realize that our parent didn't necessarily come from or have the full toolbox to do and provide in a way that would have made us feel better around these topics. But what do you do with that? What do you do with that when you can't go back and heal it? It's so hard, right? When the person is not there to say, I'm sorry, or to acknowledge that hurt. Yeah, or willing, right? Either way. Right, right you know, are willing to do that. You know, I think that this is where I think it's getting to that place that you have to radically accept this is what it is. Number one, we have to get to that place. Mm -hmm. This is what I have. I'm going to be in this journey by myself. How can I heal myself? And do that by find your healer of choice, whether that's a therapist, a pastor, a Somebody that can help you with that healing professionally, I think is a really important thing to do is, is we have to take ownership and responsibility to work on those with intention. Because if we don't have that intention, then we can't change it and we can't find that healing. And for those that do have, I'm going to do the parent questions first and then I'll switch to the, yeah. to the child. But <laughs> So let's just say that there are some of us that do have the parent that they want to heal the relationship with. How do you advise that people even approach that topic? Maybe they're in a sort of kind of works relationship, but there's contention here and there. And, you know, it's a little bit tense and the grown child wants to get that to a better place. How do they start that conversation? When mothers and daughters come to me and they are willing to work together, they have already had the conversation. Hey, this is not going well. I really love you and I miss you and I want to connect with you and I'm not finding success in doing that with you. And this is hurting me. And 
where you're not hearing me, you're not listening to me. And usually the other person feels the same. So I find that both are so hurt, but they also love each other so much and they want to reconnect. The only thing is that they're not hearing and seeing each other in a way that they need to so that they can feel loved by each other. So I had this equation where you, you feel seen, you feel heard equals you feel loved. I think it's more so of gauging on whether your mother or daughter are, are open to that, but also, and if they are, then have that conversation. If they're not, what I would say, it's still worth having that conversation. I also think it's good, you, you know, you pointed out, do your inner work first. Yes. So make sure you've you've really looked at yourself and got yourself to a good spot before you start having those conversations or trying to dig in and do that work from both sides. I think that's probably important. That is a really important element. Yes, absolutely. You have to do your inner work first. You can't work out your unresolved traumas, unresolved hurts, unresolved issues in your mother-daughter relationship. It's not going to work. You're not going to reconnect in a way that is healthy. And it's going to create the opposite. It'll create more disconnect, more disconnection. So I do, I, I do encourage inner work. That is number one is radically accept. It's not going to be the way I want it to be. Right? If you put yourself in a position of healing, number two is doing your inner work, whether it's, okay, my mom wants to do this. My, my, my daughter wants to do this, but also a self-reflection. Am I ready to do this? Am I personally ready to do this? Have I worked through my stuff enough? where I can weather the storm of mother-daughter coaching. So let's flip for a second. If you're the mother and you have a grown daughter, and let's say you know that there are things that you probably didn't do well, or you passed on some of these tendencies or patterns, how do you approach that? Similarly saying, you know, maybe you don't even need counseling. Maybe you have awareness and you just want to sort of acknowledge and move past? Like, is that just a conversation? Yeah. So mother-daughter coaching that has two parts, right? It just, if, if you, you know, working on relate, there's, there's two parts. There's the part of becoming aware of what generational patterns are present in your mother-daughter history. That is extremely important because from there you can really find out what is the root cause of your conflict. So we mentioned earlier, the root cause of the conflict is not what we're fighting about, it's not that, you know, you, you said something off color or, or you said something offensive. It's what's the underlying current. So those are usually behind those dysfunctional generational patterns. Number two, and this is something that is important, is creating a sense of emotional safety. But the way to do that is talking about each other's emotional reality. And for those who are not familiar with the term emotional reality, factual reality is based on facts, your age, your occupation. Emotional reality is one subjective experience of the situation. And I think this is where mothers and daughters sometimes get stuck because they so want to prove a point, but they're doing that at the cost of not hearing and seeing the other person and understanding that we all have individual experiences of the situation. We may experience the same situation, but depending on what we go through, we're going to see that through that lens. So the idea is learning how to meet each other where they are at on an emotional level before they go on to discuss the facts. And usually, by the way, 
when you meet each other at that emotional level, all those points that you were trying to prove are right or wrong naturally end up ironing themselves out because you've created a sense of emotional safety with each other. If you don't have emotional safety, there's no trust. There's no respect. So you're not going to hear each other, see each other. And I've learned personally, it goes so far to be able to look at it from the other person's perspective. And whether that was your experience or not, to at least acknowledge that that could be a valid experience. Thanks for sharing that, because I think that's a really great perspective for people to keep in mind, not only if they're trying to work on their mother-daughter relationships, but really any relationship. I feel like the emotional security is so, so very important. All right, I want to switch gears again. Do you have any tips on setting boundaries on, I guess it could go either way, and I'm not sure which way is easier or harder in my head. (laughs) I think they both can be complex, but obviously, you know, we all talk about setting boundaries, period, in life, but I think it's more complex in these types of relationships because of expectations, because of... Mm -hmm you know, the feelings or the relationship is different than say with a friend or an acquaintance. So any good advice there for a way to set boundaries? When it comes to boundaries, you know, boundaries is is an interesting term because number one, I think for us women, it is really hard to set boundaries. Sometimes I don't think we're necessarily allowed to have boundaries because we have to take care of this person. We got to do this. And and sometimes it's they're hard for us to set with ourselves because that's just how we operate. So number one, I, I would say, first of all, being okay with the idea of establishing boundaries. And there are, there are unhealthy boundaries and there are healthy boundaries. And healthy boundaries are usually values-based. We have to be clear with what our values are in life. What's important to us in our lives? And usually that's what informs our, not just our problem solving and decision making, but it does inform on what is okay and what's not okay for us. So I would say that's number one. Number two is learning self-compassion, learning self-acceptance to be able to give yourself the grace to have those boundaries. When it comes to, you know, mothers and daughters, I think they're, I don't think it really, it's any different from forming boundaries with anybody else. You know, it really is not. It's a matter of figuring out what is right, what does feel right to you. Sometimes that is weird for us because it's it feels almost like a selfish notion. You know, what is what it what feels right to me? But if you don't build boundaries on what feels right to me, you're continuing with some of those dysfunctional patterns that we discussed. And we end up losing ourselves. So I would say, first of all, is figure out what's okay with you. What what are your values? Right? Know yourself, know your limitations, right? And I think that mothers and daughters have a different idea of what a boundary should be and should not be. And sometimes that's also a generational thing. Maybe what I think is an appropriate boundary, my mother, who is from a different generation, may not think is an appropriate boundary. Yeah. So, but the idea of having a, a functional and a healthy mother-daughter relationship is understanding that a boundary is a boundary. And understanding that these boundaries need to be there in order to create that emotional safety, in order to create and and nurture that connection with each other. If I form a boundary with my mother. And even though my mother may not like it, but she carries it out, 
ultimately she's saying, I love you enough to accept what you need. So we start making it about that person rather than about us. I think that's an important point as well as you alluded to it, but didn't say it. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, period, not just about mother-daughter, but giving yourself permission to make the boundaries. Again, I think you alluded to it. We don't um, often give ourselves the capability or the capacity to set those boundaries. I think we judge ourselves. We don't have compassion for ourselves, whatever. So I think giving ourselves permission and know that we need to do that is probably one of the key steps. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's it's a vital step for any healthy relationship. You know, we have to have boundaries. That's important. Mm-hmm. What would you say or advise for a person that is still trying to get approval, approval they may never get? Is this back to just realizing it is what it is? And letting go of the dream of what you th- hoped it would be and realizing you're never going to get that sort of approval that you're looking for. Yeah, I, I think so. I think radically accepting, but also understanding too, that the more you hang on to that dream or you know that vision, the more you are preventing yourself from growth, from healing in, in a way that can allow you to live that truth, your truth. And, you know, allow you to reach that potential you were meant to achieve. I think that we hold on sometimes so tight, not realizing that it it is holding us back. So yes, understanding that you're holding on to tight and it may never happen, but you need to allow yourself to become the woman that you know you can be, that you know you want to be, even though your mother is not going to be there to, to cheer you on. Gotta live your truth. You got to live your truth. And even if you were to gain mother's approval, you got to ask yourself, what would that look like if I'm not living my truth? Yeah, I think that's, that is one scenario, right? And obviously that would be uncomfortable. I think there's another scenario and I'm thinking about a couple people in the group. And I think there's another truth where you might be living your best life. You might be doing everything sort of great by the book. Anybody would look at you and say, you're here an exemplary person in in the community and doing everything quote unquote right, and maybe even have some pretty high achievements, but your mother doesn't necessarily recognize that. So again, you may still be hoping that mother eventually recognizes it and sees what everybody else sees and feeling disappointed by the fact that she doesn't. And I think some people probably have to just realize again, it's not going to happen and that's okay. And that's okay. Right. And not only that, but honor the feelings that that causes. It's okay to feel sad about that. It's okay to feel angry about that. There is a grieving process that goes, it's a loss. It's the loss of a vision that you had for your mom to acknowledge your success and acknowledge your truth, but knowing that she never will. So really learning how to, you know, again, doing this with the help of of a therapist your healer of choice, I think is extremely important. We have to be able to work through that loss, yet honor our emotions, because it is sad. It is sad that we have to let that go. It is angry that we have to let go of that vision. Who wouldn't be angry? Yeah, I was just going to say that with all of this, right? With any of them, any of these patterns, any of these gaps in the relationship, any of these 
ideas that aren't aren't aligned. Of course, there's all those feelings, all those feelings of disappointment and sadness and just all of it. And I think to your point is you have to allow yourself time to feel it and then get past it. You can't get stuck in it though, just like any other thing, right? You're working through, you can't get stuck in it. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Otherwise you're holding yourself back at that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what would you say about somebody that recognizes that they've been dealing with some of these or they've had this stuff passed down to them, but there isn't a contentious relationship with say, say the daughter or the, the children? Do you suggest that they acknowledge that they look at the patterns and just make sure they're talking about them so their children that are growing up don't take those same things with them. So maybe there is an angst there yet, but you know that you've sort of passed some of this down. What do you suggest about that? I think it's really important to have an honest conversation of what is there and not there. You can't beat around the bush. You can't, it's, if change is going to happen, you have to enter that conversation with a certain sense of honesty and candor, right? That this is, these are the patterns that we have. Now, how are we going to change this? So that we can change your trajectory, daughter, you know, especially like I say, say a younger daughter, a teenage daughter, change your trajectory. So you're not feeling like you have to go around silencing yourself or feel like you have to take on the guilt of somebody or feel like you have to fulfill my needs because you really don't. I'm responsible for fulfilling my needs. So I think having that intentional conversation is extremely important. You know, I feel that if we don't have that, then we can't change it. And not only that, but it's important to put a name to it because like that, your daughter now has a name to it and they can carry that on and they can become aware of it when they are engaging. Say, oh, am I becoming a lost woman, (laughs) right? (laughs) Am I emotionally silencing myself? It's important for awareness too, self-awareness. Yeah, I'm thinking that that conversation whether there's any content in there or not, is the first step in, maybe not the first, but one of the first steps in breaking those patterns. Absolutely. Yeah. Awareness, obviously, is the first step, right? Somebody has to become aware that there's something here that needs to change. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think it brings me to the point of, I think mothers, when they have this conversation with their daughters, they need to shed the mother role and talk with them as women, as a woman. These are the patterns that are in my mother-daughter history. You don't need to go into all the gory details on how it affected you. I mean, of course, depending on your daughter's age, uh, you know, so maybe do that in an age-appropriate way, I would recommend. But they do need to know you, mother, as a woman too. I think that's important for daughters to know that. I know growing up, I never saw my mother as a woman. My mother was very engrossed in her motherly role. and. I didn't know her as a woman. Even little things like, what's your favorite color? (laughs) You know, what are your pet peeves? It's just, I I never really got to see that part of her until later on in life. But it would have been fun to see some of that. I mean, I would say fun, but I mean, I think it would have been helpful for me as a teenage girl to see her as a woman. Because I think as we grow up, I think there's certain things that we go through as women, that if we saw our mothers as women, it could also normalize it a little bit. I think that's an interesting perspective. It feels to me like that's something that is 
hard for most to see our parents as people. Yes. Not just our parents, right? Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. And as, uh, you know, daughters get older, as they become adult daughters, the adult daughters actually want to connect with their mothers as women, woman to woman. But mothers have a hard time shedding the mother role. So being okay with shedding that mother role, knowing that you're in a place now where your 45-year-old daughter, you know, and you're 65 or you're 75, you can connect on a woman-to-woman basis. There's nothing that your daughter has not seen, you know, <laughs> that would be a shocker. Or maybe, and, you know, there's things that maybe she hasn't that she doesn't know yet. And if, you know, you would talk with her from a place of being a woman, you're offering some priceless nuggets of wisdom that she can use going forward. Is there anything you can suggest that works really well to help people sort of take that hat off and just assume a different role? As a woman, this is what I feel. This is what my experience was as a woman. And just just outright naming it so that your daughter can see you as, okay, she's talking from a place of a woman, not from my mother, you know, not as a mother. And I think just using that allows us to channel ourselves in a different way. It allows us to channel the woman inside us rather than leading with the parent and, and, you know, the mother role. And again, we have to do that in an age appropriate way, you know, depending on, you know, how old our children are. But I think it's important. I think it's important for our, our children to see us more than just mothers. It's important for us to see ourselves more than just mothers. We get lost in that role. I was just going to say that goes back to getting lost, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to get lost in that role. And, you know, when when they leave home, it takes a certain time to recalibrate and, and enter a sense of self-discovery of where you are at that point. And, yeah. But if you're able to also nurture that woman in you, not just the mother in you, that'll be a lot easier in that transition. So but yeah, I would say number one, starting off with that. As a woman, this was my experience. We've sort of gone around lots of different paths and connections and topics. Is there anything that you think is comes up a lot as a pattern that you either see or ways to help bridge problematic relationships that you want to share? Before we leave, just want to make sure I'm giving you time if there's anything specific that jumps out as something we should leave people with. So I think that it's just really important. I think I'm going to just reiterate some of the things before we leave, just a few things. Really the importance of accepting each other's emotional reality. I think that is a really important thing. It's hard for mothers because mothers want to be right and it's hard for them to be vulnerable. And it's hard for sometimes, depending on your, you know, your background, it's hard to say, I'm sorry, or it's hard to admit that you were wrong. So I think really the idea of accepting your daughter's or your mother's emotional reality, because that's, that's really one of the main patterns that happens and why they butt heads is they're trying to prove themselves right in the situation, usually from a place of, I didn't mean to hurt you. It's, let me tell you why what I did didn't mean to hurt you or it wasn't intended to hurt you. But once we, you know, get into that place, we've already lost connection with our daughters or our mothers. So the idea of letting that go, that is so hard. I know it's easier said than done, but letting go of being right. And being able to 
accept your daughter or your mother's emotional reality. You may be two very, very different people with two very different opinions, but you know what? There's enough room in your relationship for those to exist. If you make room for those to exist, then you create room for connection. You create room for respect for each other's individualities, not only as individuals, but also as women. So I think that's really an important element is really remembering that emotional reality is the way we see each other feel seen and heard. That's important. I think the other one for me is accepting the reality of what it is. I'm thinking of somebody in particular who, you know, it's it's almost like an uphill battle trying to change their parents' perception of things. And sometimes it just boils down to you, you can't change somebody else if they're not willing to change themselves or see something differently. And they may have, like you said, they came to it with a different toolbox, with limitations, with they're just a whole different person. It really doesn't matter. They're not going to be who you want them to be or have your perception. And you just have to accept that instead of wasting the energy on trying to change that. Yes, Marianne, I agree. I It's a hurtful proposition. It hurts a lot to even think about accepting that. And then you have to let that go because the mother-daughter relationship, it's an important one, you know? I mean, mothers mean a lot to their daughters and and vice versa. But sometimes when they can't meet you where you're at and you hold on too tight, at that point, we're just holding ourselves back. And as much as it hurts, we have to learn how to accept the situation for what it is. Have your feelings, grieve it, cry it out. It's okay. But then you have to move forward. You have to figure out a way to move forward because you're living your life for you, not for your mother. Mm, That's a great note to end on because that is it. Live your life. Do what you can to bridge these relationships, but ultimately you have to be true to you. Exactly right. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my knowledge. I really hope that your listeners are able to gain something out of this. I know they will. And if we have some follow-up questions, I will be sure to reach back out. Please. Yes. I will do that. We will stay in touch. Thank you again so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Marianne. Thank you for listening to this episode of Message in the Middle with Marianne. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to share it and write a review as it helps bring new listeners to our audience. If you'd like to keep the conversation going between episodes, please join us at Facebook group Message in the Middle with Marianne.